yeah, the, the R word is a bad word, but you know. You shouldn't talk about Rio that way. He'll sign a new contract, honest. And so let, let's do that first. What's going on with Rio's contract, Ed? Well, I mean, he's he's running up into the, the last six months of the contract. Of course, he could start negotiating with other teams in January. He did an interview with Inside United magazine when he said, I'll, I'll see how it is after Christmas and the busy Christmas programme. But uh, let's read between the lines here. There's not a chance in hell that Rio is about to quit football. He, he uses his platform to build his other businesses and he's still doing that. So yeah, he's not about to retire. Ferguson said a couple of weeks ago after the T-shirt row that he could play until his late 30s. Well, I said he had another three years, which pretty much makes it late 30s. And that I'm sure what is going on is that Rio and his team are after uh, the best wage they can possibly get right now and at least a two-year contract. And United has a policy of of offering one, and and of course the rumour that went around earlier this season um, was that they'd offer one and about half these current wages. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, he really is going to have to decide between money and glory, isn't he? And the the rumour about the MLS just makes so much sense with Brand Rio, you know? It would be huge for him in terms of business opportunities. But I just think he's such a competitor. And when it comes down to it, what he really wants is to win stuff. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'd be surprised if Brand Rio has much resonance in the States. I mean, he plays for Manchester United, so that helps. There was a a great caption, I think it was on a Reuters piece a couple of weeks ago, where it had David Beckham and some kids and Robbie Keane, both play at LA, of course. And the caption said, footballer, soccer player David Beckham with some fans. Robbie Keane just wasn't recognised at all. I suspect that's probably true of quite a lot of players who who, uh, are not global superstars in the States. Although, you know, obviously, look, popular popularity of football is really growing and and very fast in the states and it's reflected in the the fact that NBC paid a significant uplift on the previous contract to to show the uh, the Premier League over the next sort of three seasons also beat Fox to the in the bidding war there so so it's really growing the MLS thing is as you know rumors of Rio has been around an awful long time maybe he'll do it maybe he won't you know I'm sure there'd be plenty of offers in terms of money it's not as if he needs it though he's had a decade on massive wages at United he's 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 set for life and he's got all these other business interests so it's going to be about either exploring one of these new opportunities or, or realizing that uh, he's a he's a lesser ranked player at old trafford it'd be interesting to see what decision he makes and either way i wish him well because he's been a tremendous servant at manchester united albeit perhaps not so much on saturday last week when we went two nil down to the mighty aston villa yeah it'd be a complete walkover it's like playing a championship team you know oh villa are completely rubbish and hopeless there's no chance they'll do any damage two nil down after 50 minutes and it's never simple with united it really isn't, and, and the defensive problems are myriad and quite deep-seated, aren't they? And it's a, it's a real worry, really, is um, how often Villa were able to get at us and, and the pace of uh, their forwards really did cause United some problems. And it can't keep going on. I, mean, we do, I feel like we say this every week, but it cannot keep going on. At some point, United are going to play someone decent, give away some goals and not be able to come back. Yeah, I mean, we've had loads and loads of questions about this on Twitter. One from Ex Birchie saying, are United's early lapses a fault? with the players the preparation or the coaching we had another question about whether it was to do with tactics or personnel I suppose the answer has to be a bit of both I mean one of the real problems with our defence again uh, on Saturday was the midfield Paul Scholes having a rare shocker basically not not really able to keep the ball and gave it away really sloppily and dangerously a few times including for the passage of play that led to Villa's second goal albeit there was also some shambolic defending in that 
Right, and Villa were buzzing around him and that didn't give him uh, much time and space. And uh, yeah, he had a bad one. He just had a really bad game. He's had a couple of weeks off, of course, Ferguson's uh, given him a rest over the last few games and Tom Cleverley had been in there and done pretty well. Uh, yeah, ish. And then uh, Skulls came back in and, and didn't have a good one at all. But the, the problem is that Skulls Carrick central midfield appears to offer absolutely no protection to the back four at all. And that wasn't the case so much last season, I think. Well, they kept the ball really well, didn't they? In the second half of last season, they kept the ball really well, and and it felt like that there, there was uh, there were other options, and 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 I'm not sure whether they need to change the structure of the the system or or the personnel. I mean, you know, I know it's a bit personnel. It's definitely a bit personnel. If we had a, a real evil bastard in the middle of the park, that that would make a big difference, or at least someone who's is pretty disciplined. But the system doesn't help at the moment, given the the players available. So look, what's Ferguson going to do? Either either he drops one of Rooney or Van Persie. That's never going to happen. Plays a lopsided sort of asymmetrical formation with only one winger, or he drops Rooney back into midfield, which is is essentially what is happening at the moment. And, and tries to make an extra man in, in the centre of the park that way. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's the way he's accommodating all the personnel. And although Rudy does do a fairly disciplined defensive job, uh, he's, he's not exactly in the side to offer protection to the back four, is he? Well, quite, although he is pretty disciplined, but yeah, no, it, it's not. He's he's not exactly going to be sitting in front of the back four, you know, making sure that um, counter-attacks are broken up in the right way. And I mean, I think one of the reasons that it was working last season and isn't working this season is to do with this thing that you've always said whenever we've discussed fullbacks, which is tactically Ferguson expects his central defenders to be able to handle it if there are no fullbacks because the fullbacks are attacking. And last season, Johnny Evans and Rio Ferdinand were a pretty formidable central defensive partnership, and we've just not had a chance to establish one of those yet this season. So, you know, the the personnel issue goes back into defence as well. Rio has had patches of superb form think of the Liverpool game in particular but definitely a few lapses and not not really just been able to cover for the amount of space he's expected to cover uh, Johnny Evans injured again uh, Chris Smalling came in and had a pretty woeful game or at least a few specific woeful moments he did a lot of did a lot of stuff well as well actually and um, so woeful games probably a bit harsh but you know just bounced off the ball by Ben Teke for, for Villa's first goal almost looking for a foul where where none could possibly come a sort of pretty naive bit of defending really but you know he's just back from injury so it is to be expected one thing that was really heartening is once we had our miraculous awesome comeback David De Gea three times no less than three times jumped through a cloud crowd of players to punch the ball and clear the lines which uh, just phenomenal to see that and this is what was happening last season when he had a run in the side and that confidence comes back and he starts to be a more dominant goalkeeper so so maybe he is starting to find his feet again yeah I agree with that last assessment I think I think he definitely improves by playing all the time so this thing at the beginning of the season when they were Ferguson was rotating the keepers all the time did not help him at all we said it every week and and couldn't understand why Ferguson insisted on doing it and he's not doing it now and that's a good thing right it's a good thing Lindegaard's a a fine keeper he's not in the same class De Gea is only going to get better by playing and it, it affects his confidence significantly when he's dropped if he makes a single mistake and he has to know that he can make a mistake and still be in the team otherwise he's just going to be really tentative all the time and surely that is the same for all players all footballers professional footballers confidence players in some way or form they all work on these razor-thin you know, insecurities of whether they're inside or, or not. And uh, and a young man in 
in a far off land from home in a in a very key and vulnerable position is just not helped by being dropped all of the time so uh, i hope i hope that he gets a long run inside now and i agree you know he came out twice and punched and and do you know what he even punched so well that alan smith the co-commentator on uh, on sky tv for the the villa game couldn't complain about it and and that's a pretty remarkable achievement all in of itself. All right, so on to the, the happier times that were the, the comeback. Two incidents I want to report, one of which was a, a United supporting friend of mine was in the home end and said at the point at which the second Villa goal went in, all of the Villa fan behind him was saying, oh no, I knew it, we've gone too early, we're going to get battered now. Not, not an optimistic bunch by nature, the Villa supporters. And the second thing was that the chief executive where I work now, his... his uh, season ticket is quite near the dugout he said as Hernandez come on he, he saw him and saw the look in his eye and thought uh oh because Hernandez just had point to prove written all over him and he, he came through big time didn't he? He really did yeah hat trick well ish two and a half goals maybe We'll find out with the dubious goals panel, right? Look, just carrying on the form that he's been in recently. He's, he's got a bag full of goals. Now feels confident. Interesting how Ferguson's going to squeeze him into the side. We talked about the balance of the forwards, didn't we, earlier in the show. And, and it, it seems almost impossible to get Hernandez into the side for the big games. And, and he is in danger of becoming sort of super sub. Good stat. He scored 10 goals from substitute uh, appearances, Hernandez. Um, Solskjaer scored 16 in his whole United career. That's in the Premier League. But uh, so, you know, he's he's already a super sub. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's just so blooming likeable. I know I bang on about it all the time, but he's just a nice bloke, isn't he? You know, and, and it's it's nice. It just doesn't happen very often. So when it does happen, I think it should be celebrated. And, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a hat-trick, isn't it? You can argue... Basically, the argument is, was the ball going to curl into the far side of the goal if it hadn't been bounced in off a defender I don't know I think that is pretty marginal from from the camera angles I've seen but effectively he scored that goal anyway by banging it in off the defender you know he just used the defender as a sort of uh, obstacle or something and the finish for the first goal when he kind of almost looked like he'd lost a gorgeous pass from skulls and then Cheese looked like he'd sort of lost the ball got it caught up under his feet but he managed to dig it out from under his feet and slide it through the legs of the keeper at the same time pretty remarkable well, it was, yeah. It was, it was pretty poor control to start with, I suppose. You want to be hypercritical, but he got it. He got it under control in the end, and and yeah, you're right. Slid it through the keeper's legs. Yeah, fine finish in the end. I'm pleased for him. He's, a, he, you're right. He's, he's a nice bloke and all of that, and he's very articulate and and he's a team man. He hasn't made any kind of fuss, uh, at least in public, about not being in the team. And he had a, a quite a tough season last season with multiple different injuries and then in and out of the side, and it didn't seem to help his rhythm much. And and he's another player who needs to. Play. Play. young players only going to develop by by playing and and it's it's hard on him that united bought van persie but it's great for united because there are so many options available now yeah ferguson saying after that game that he's played himself into the starting lineup he's not going to drop a striker after he gets a hat trick so it looks like he's going to play but you see in a way it's good for ferguson to say that because it is away against norwich so it's not one of the hugest games of the season by by any means is it so yeah because because we, we played so well when we went there last season <laughs> no but but you know it's not well look van persie has his thigh injury as well so it's it might be convenient to to leave him out for a game and just make sure it's fully healed oh yeah worth saying that international break uh, Rooney and Van Persie are both injured and I really really hope that's injured in the way Ryan Giggs used to be injured when Wales had a friendly 
Yeah, I think I think they're both minor injuries of convenience, obviously. And it's not a fully sanctioned FIFA international break in that in the, there isn't the double header, not World Cup qualifiers, and they don't have the extra weekend off and all of that kind of stuff. So Ferguson was always going to pull his most senior players out of, out of fixtures. Yeah, great, great talking of international break. Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Sweden, talking about uh, Steven Gerrard, who made his hundredth appearance for England on Wednesday night, said that Gerrard ought to join a big club. Uh, <laughs> For a player of his quality, I thought, yeah, about right there's Latter. Yeah, I mean, you know, old Stevie G has won the Champions League, hasn't he? So it's not like his career's been a complete failure, just the last five years or so. There was a rather scurrilous thing doing the round on Twitter where uh, there were some suggestions that Ryan Giggs' wife might divorce him and take half of his possessions as as you know, is the way in divorce cases and all that. And, and she'd have six more Premier League titles than Stevie G. Mrs Giggs, he's six. Gerard nil. Yeah, it, it, Stephen Gerrard's career is a, an odd thing. I mean, you know, he's a Liverpool man. What, why, what's he supposed to do? The one time it, it was really serious that they might leave, he had every reason to think that things were changing. They just won the Champions League, you know. And, and yeah, there was a, a huge amount of good fortune in them winning that. But, but basically, that was it. It was that season where he had the really serious offer to go to Chelsea and ultimately thought that they could have a crack at the league at Liverpool and you know yeah we're United fans so it's easy to mock but kind of think it's fair enough in some ways I wouldn't mock Stevie G kisses a badge on his chest puts in a transfer request no not at all not at all yeah uh, Liverpool came up with the numbers otherwise he'd have gone that's that's uh, the cynical view and probably the correct one the loyalty's all well and good as long as there are zeros in the check and just ask Alan Shearer I just don't buy that though. I just don't. I I don't see how the ten grand here or there a week is really going to make that much difference. Maybe I'm stupid. I mean, that's pretty naive, Paul. Five grand a week for Ashley Cole uh, made him up sticks from Arsenal to Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, that's it? true. He nearly crashed his car. Um, it, it was really exciting that comeback against Villa. It was just, it was comical the way that game played out. It was just a ridiculous parody because we were absolutely hopeless in the first half. We didn't look at the races at all. And you say Villa pressed skulls quite well, but he also gave the ball away when he was not under any pressure at all a few times. And it, it, this is just a slight concern in that for me because this is what happened the season before last. His performances really, really started to drop off. Um, and we've talked a bit, and you know, he just had a couple of weeks rest and we talked a bit about how he's, he's having plenty of rest and and maybe not performing the best this season but yeah United's overall play was so lacklustre and just casual and then even when they went 1-0 down they hadn't really switched on but once they went 2-0 down it was just like somebody flicked a switch and United were like oh no we're 2-0 down we're actually going to have to play if we want to win this game and play they did and and that Chicharito inspired comeback yet another one what is going on why why can't we play before we go 2-0 down yeah, I wonder if it's become a little mental thing or maybe it's just a ill fortune. I think United have got something like 16 Premier League points from losing positions this season. It's, it's, it is remarkable that the Reds keep coming back. It's also really worrying because it's not going to keep happening. I know I keep saying this every week, but it's just not. The next time United are 2-0 down, they're not going to automatically come back. Although it did it did just kind of feel. Maybe 2 nils a new 1-0, you know. It's it's a new. It's, it's, it's just not safe being 2-0. You need 3 to be safe against United. Yeah, I mean, 
mean, that's what t- Tottenham Tottenham wouldn't have been safe if they'd only been at two 0 It was that third goal that did for us. I don't know what what's going to change because nothing's changing in terms of personnel or systems, is it? So it's just going to keep happening. We're just going to keep scoring one more than our nearest rival. And right, yeah, um, I I agree that that at the highest level, it looks to me like we'll be getting found out but we don't need to succeed at the very highest level to win the league this season we just need to keep battering every team from third place on down well I, yeah i suppose so i mean that that's a that's a fairly solid argument that one uh, although it comes down to just a few points or you know goals here or there uh, as it did last season then then losing to your closest rivals probably wouldn't be very good although united have done fine against the the top teams we've played this season and liverpool <laughs> The, the interesting thing is Ferguson said he, he wants 100 goals and uh, just over a quarter of the way through the season and 29 goals already is quite possible. Chelsea did it a couple of seasons ago. They, they had a couple of freak results in there, you know, like an 8-0 and a 7-0 a couple of times, didn't they? And that kind of skewed things a little bit. United are just scoring every game, but we haven't had a 6, 7 or 8 yet this season. Someone, someone could go for 8, but we probably concede 4 at the same time. Yeah, I was just thinking someone is going to get a proper battering. Someone's going to get, you know, the two hat-trick performance where Van Persie scores three and Cheech scores three and Rooney gets a couple or something like that. You know, it, it does it does look like it's it's somewhere on the cards. Uh, a word for Van Persie. Um, oh, he's, he's very good, isn't he, Ed? Robin Van Persie. He's very, like, good at football and stuff. He's, like, nice when he plays for Man United and that. Yeah, there was an interesting uh, couple of comments on the blog this week where someone said that uh, can't you just tell the difference when you buy a player of the very highest quality? And, and United spent quite a lot of money over the last two summers. Uh, I mean, it's, it's around about 100 million gross, so quite a lot less than that net because uh, got got rid of a few players and, and stuff like that. But he's arguably, uh, of all the players that United have bought over the last two summers, the only one that's really improved the first team, you know, arguably. Smalling and Jones were squad additions, really young. Yeah, bit near on that one. De Gea, a replacement for Van der Zaar and, and hasn't improved the first team yet. Might do one day. And so he's come in and, and made a really big difference. Now, if you take that argument to sort of its logical conclusion, would United have been better off instead of buying 10 players over the last two summers, having bought five or three and all of them be of the very, very highest quality? You know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, squad's important, isn't it? But, you know, what would United do if we had a, a midfielder of Van Persie's quality? He's made an instant impact at United and a really, a really big one at that. And uh, if uh, we'd done that in midfield as well, we'd be almost unstoppable, I think. It's an interesting question, though, isn't it? Because who is there that you could you could get that's in that caliber? And and where is where does Van Persie stand in the the pantheon of world football? You know, what is his position? Is he in the top five? You know, all that sort of stuff. And and really, could we have signed a midfielder of that standard? Has is one available? You know, well, everyone's available for cash. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's, a, it's a good point. I mean, you know, Luca. in fact, last summer was just a, a whole stream of midfielders moving from one club to another, just sort of whizzing past us going, you know, and, you know, Luca Modric goes one way, you know, is Javi Martinez going the other way, you know, it's, it's all getting a bit ridiculous. Well, there's, there's two that would have done quite a good job at United. All right, so that's enough talk about football for one week. It's time to talk about Twitter questions at Tommy underscore CTS asks, as Pops Vengalis, if you were assembling a four-piece boy band from the current squad, who would get the nod and why? I've thought quite a lot about this. Uh, that's not true. You, you've got to have Chicharito, obviously. 
How how are you going to make a boy band out of the United side and not have the... Boyish good looks. Yeah, exactly. The, the boy next door type. Then, you know, you've got to have the kind of slightly odd looking one that writes the song. So I think Phil Jones is a good shout for that with his gurning and his frosted highlights. I think that's that's good. Then maybe you get Chris Smalling in there. That picture of him with an afro, he could dig that hair cut out again and bust, bust some moves. You need diversity in a good boy band, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Mar- marketability. Yeah, it, exactly. A appealing to various different demographics and that leaves that leaves one last slot and it's difficult because i don't know whether to go for tom cleverly or evil twin tom cleverly alex bootner for that kind of bad boy image i think maybe we go for a bit of bad boy bootner very good that's that's my four-piece boy band what would they be called uh, phil jones and the frosted tips no that, that's not, that's, that's not. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's just leave it there it's a family show yeah absolutely awate says if Cantona plays at an old trafford testimonial in august should albert the kit man stitch on a collar to whatever united shirt is currently being worn a dog collar he is that one we got after all obviously he should stitch on a collar eric should never play without a collar at Mark underscore Pud asks if you could combine any two United players into a super player, who would you choose? He would choose a hybrid of Roy Keane and Cristiano Ronaldo. That is a hybrid which would split itself apart as the two different sides of its personality ran in opposite directions from one another, I think. Yeah, I, I think the dark matter involved in that would probably end the universe as we know it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess if you could if you could sort of mix Brian Robson with whatever it is in Patrice Evra that makes it impossible for him to get injured then then that'd be that'd be a pretty impressive player talking to patrice ever uh, the boy has returned to form yes yes i think it's i think it's fair to say isn't it excellent performances over the last you know, month six and, weeks uh, did a good job as captain as well we, we'd had that little discussion and then he, he did a bit of captaining against aston villa yeah lovely lovely to see a big big fan of patrice you know he has had a rough rough time of it last season i think was was the real low point of that and he gets a lot of stick from fans and i do think a good part of that is because he's to do such a difficult job well yeah it is a good part of that and he played so many games and I think he suffered a bit of burnout I think what Bootner's acquisition has done is shown us there was also a little bit of complacency there because uh, all of a sudden the performances seem to have gone up a notch because there's a bit of competition yeah absolutely and I think you know he's also yeah he's, he's very clearly demonstrating that it's not really quite competition yet it's definitely more cover than competition but the fact that Kind of Bootner impressed quite a lot on his first outing. Two goals forever as well. He never scores. Always like hits the post or just misses. And you know he's managed to turn that determination into goals as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. But also, you know, he really is doing his defensive duty, which is which is what people have been upset about, isn't it? Uh, talking of talking of Patrice at Matt Dale's eighty seven asks, who is Evra's long term replacement? Fabio Bootner or Blackett or none of the above? I think we have to add. Yeah, I think none of the above is probably favourite. Actually, I, I'm not sure what I've seen of Bootner so far that he's of of the same standing as Evra at all. I mean, certainly not defensively. And and uh, we're talking about Patrice having some defensive problems over the last couple of years. Blackett, I like actually, but he's so young, it's impossible to know whether he's ever going to make it. I think he's got loads and loads of attributes but but we'll find out in the next three years fabio yeah i don't think ferguson trusts him and uh, he's got to stay fit and he's got to perform and of course he's not fit at the moment so that doesn't really bode well for him but look at the talent that rafael's got and is now showing in the kind of consistency if we could have that in fabio that would be fantastic he could be another another you know right foot left back like dennis Irwin, and wouldn't, wouldn't that be an accolade i like dennis Irwin is the highest accolade that any left back can possibly get isn't it at united it's a very high accolade 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't understand this question, but just in case, I'm going for it. Uh, this is from at Can They Score from the fantastic Can They Score podcast and website. It says, if you were a speed limit, what would you be and why? I don't know. No. Uh, seven, 70. What you're saying is you're fundamentally law-abiding. Is that right, Ed? I was kind of thinking that it's a speed limit, right? <laughs> so I, I can't have unlimited because that's not a limit. Okay, right. No. But, but, but 70 being the fastest you're allowed to go in this fair country, I like to get there quickly all right uh, well, you don't want to you don't want to like up it a bit and be 80 or like an autobahn style 120 at anton alfie the maker of fantastic videos i mentioned the cantonar one last week and if if it's even possible he's topped it with a magnificent robin van percy video and i have to say there's a lot of videos football cut together videos on youtube but this kid has proper talent do you know what, what the secret sauce is What's with that? his talent? Beautifully cut together, he doesn't use crap Euro pop. Well, that definitely helps. But the visuals are really smart as well. Like, there's there's a penalty and he uses the, the TV footage, but also he's intercut it with three or four different angles of people that shot it from behind the goal on their phones. Anyway, so his, uh, his question is, name your worst Fantasy United eleven using only players that we saw during our lifetimes. I, d- I did have a little think about this one, and so yeah, let, let's get let's go through our options. I mean, I've been following United since very nearly the seventies, around about nineteen eighty-ish, I suppose. To be honest, I don't really remember all, an awful lot before nineteen eighty-three. So my choices are going to be all after eighty-three, okay. and probably skewing towards the Ferguson era more. Which is a shame because Atkinson had some whoppers, didn't he? he? He did have some whoppers, actually, yeah. But yeah, okay, so in goal, I guess it's a little unfortunate, but there really is only one option for this selection, isn't there? Or have you got too much of a soft spot for the boy Massimo? I, I have no soft spot for him. Uh, I'd say Mark Bosnich's second <laughs> second period with United was, was a bit of a calamity. He couldn't kick the ball for Toffee, but uh, we also know why he couldn't kick the ball for Toffee, because he was high all the time. He was. Allegedly. Well, mm, and also definitely, right? Chelsea, quite happy to sack people that are high on drugs, two of them, but uh, racist, nah, not so much. Oh, no, not so much. All right, so that's Massimo. Who's, who's your right back, Ed? Well, this is a difficult one because uh, I don't think United have had too many terrible right backs thinking about it. I mean, actually, Ferguson's had some very good ones. So good ones here. Anderson was excellent. Paul Parker, excellent. Gary Neville, wonderful. And and so maybe, maybe uh, you know, there's a couple of dodgy ones in there. David May played a couple of uh, games at right back, didn't he? He got absolutely roasted by Jesper Blomqvist and one time. And Henningberg played a few games. He was good at centre-back, Henningberg. Had, had a good few years with United. Not so great at... Right back, but that's a tough one. Your choice? Uh, my choice for worst right back ever was Gary Neville that one time against West Bromwich. Whoa, that was that was some pretty, pretty ropey football. That was only 45 minutes before he, he went off into the dressing room and retired. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That is, he was so he was so bad at right back in that game that he retired. Uh, someone that Giggsy has definitely played left back. I'm pretty sure I remember Lee Sharp playing left back at some point as well. Lee, Lee Sharp started off uh, as a left back at Torquay and, and played a few games for United at left back. But there have been some whoppers at left back. Come on, <laughs> Quinton Fortune at left back played there oh. quite a few times. Never played well. Never. <laughs> nice guy, Quinton Fortune, but. never... Never played well. Manchester United left-back legend, Quinton Fortune. I'll give you that. I think Fortune's good. Uh, Centre-backs, Michael Carrick has got to be in with a shout. 
He is horrendous as a centre-back, but he's not a centre-back. No, that's true, so it's not fair. Out-of-position players doesn't count, does it? No, fair no, enough. No. W- William Prunier, who, who was on loan with United for two games and uh, had an absolute shocker twice yeah so does he does he play in the back three or have you got another one well i find this one really difficult yeah i mean there was there was some real cloggers so mal donaghy was pretty awful no zero talent whatsoever but all heart no talent i don't know i can't remember we've had we have been absolutely blessed in that position haven't we we've had some incredible players at center half but apart from oh god ferdinand stam ronnie Johnson, pallister bruce vidic Vidic, some absolute stormers down in the ferguson era yeah absolutely there was a time when it looked like johnny evans might be the answer to this question but that time has long since passed because he's growing into a fine defender himself uh in the middle of the park then yeah sport for choice really i guess we'll start with the boy with two names shall we so bad they lemmed him twice eric jemba jemba the Jemba twins, yeah, he's taking up the two midfield positions. In a... You mean he's, he's he squeezed Liam Miller out of the squad? God, Miller was awful. Cleberson was awful too. The thing about Liam Miller is I'm not sure how bad or good he was as a player, but he really, really was being sold as the new Roy Keane. He was, and yeah, so the hype didn't help him. And then, and then Cleberson. So so Ferguson took a player who was essentially a defensive midfielder in, in and had one good outing in the Brazil squad and tried to turn him into a player who could play in the hole. It didn't work the first time. It didn't work the 50th time that Ferguson tried it either. I remember watching the game sat in your in your old seat down by the corner flag and the bloke behind us just turning to his girlfriend and saying they should make him give back his World Cup winner's medal about Cleberson. Fergie signed the wrong Brazilian, clearly. He's, he's got to be one of the worst Brazilians ever to win the World Cup, hasn't he, Cleberson? Yeah, there, there haven't been many terrible Brazilians, but uh, he was one. On occasion, Anderson over the last five years has uh, tried to challenge him, but, you know, no, clearly clearly in a different market altogether. But, yeah, Cleberson, real shame because, you know, he had a fine career all round except for that, that period at United. And I guess it was one of those where uh, an agent really sold the player really well to Ferguson and uh, and he bought it. The wings and up front, that's pretty tricky, isn't it? Because that's, that's been all class really over the years as well, hasn't it? been some uh, there's been some stinkers though Jordi Cruyff stinker oh that's harsh on the boy Jordi I always quite like Jordi Cruyff yeah he wasn't very good Carol Poborski oh come on that chip man remember that chip he done come on forget all the rest of it there was that chip Danny Wallace terrible the wrong Wallace very much so Ralph Milne regularly tops the list of worst United players ever I, I feel sorry for Ralph Milne he was essentially a left back and played on the left wing a few times and wasn't very good no he has become bizarrely central in United fandom though in recent years along with Ken Barlow what about Guiano Majorana he was pretty awful he had a few games for United don't, does he even count I because he wasn't even, even really I he had the curly hair remember him no I, I literally do not remember him the name he sounded all exotic but wasn't yeah yeah that name's ringing a vague bell of like oh he must have been quite exciting uh what about up front then have we have we had any bad strikers since peter davenport david bellion Ah, uh, well was he really a striker he was a bit of a winger as well wasn't he no he was, he was a striker he was he was like five foot eight of leg and then a head on top he was like starving marvin without the body and and he, he could barely put one foot in front of the other without falling over so David Belliard and and Peter Davenport up front. Although I, I, again, I think that's harsh on Peter Davenport. Who had a perfectly good career, but just wasn't. Bebe might challenge them. Pretty pretty horrendous. Diego Forlan. I mean, you know, he's a good player actually. Forlan. He <laughs> uh-huh. just it didn't work for him at United, did he? Yeah, he's a phenomenal player. So I don't think I don't think he can count really. Otherwise, you'd have Juan Seba Veron in midfield, and and that would be ridiculous too. Yeah. Well, well, quite. 
at bifurcated underscore MUFC asks, on a rank cast day out whitewater rafting with Welbs, Chicha, ORVP and Rooney, capsize, you have three life jackets. I presume that means apart from the one that you're wearing yourself. Who do you save? So you've got to, you've got to let one of those strikers fend for himself, Ed. You're in the raft too. Yeah, you're in, you're in the raft too, but I think you've probably got a, a life jacket of your own. I'm chucking you over the side. We need four strikers. <laughs> That's perfectly reasonable. I think I might leave uh, Van Persie to fend for himself because he's just so competent and grown-up seeming that I reckon he could do it. We had a question from Maz underscore man underscore UTD saying, do we think Berbatov could have done what Robin Van Persie's doing given the chance? Can't say ORVP oh, runs that much more than Berber. I miss Berber. No, no way. He's not in the same class well he, he doesn't have the, the same output he's doing really well at Fulham isn't he and he's got five goals already and Fulham fans seem to have taken Berber to their hearts and uh, he's got a couple against Arsenal at the weekend seems to be doing really well and uh, look he's too good for Fulham but uh, for some reason it just didn't work for him at United often played out of position uh, but he got plenty of games right he just didn't have the same output so answer the question no he couldn't do what and Percy's doing. You know, I, everyone knows about my Berbatov love, and and I'm also absolutely delighted to see him banging them in against Fulham. It was great, great when he got a couple against Arsenal in particular. That was just lovely to see. And it is great to see him be the main man in a side. But the more I see Van Persie, the more I think he's in that very small number of real best player in the world type category players. And it is it is really interesting how the blinkers come off because you know, I, I guess it's I guess what it's ultimately to do with is just seeing so much more of him. So I don't really watch that much of him when he was at Arsenal just see him on match of the day or when they played us but seeing him week in week out you just grow to appreciate that that absolute clinicalness and you know he just he just backs himself way more than Berbatov ever could you know right, yeah very true well so look we should move on from Twitter questions so, so we should have a, a quick chat about United's financials Q1 results out woo 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 Q1 Q1 What's the implications for the long-term future and short-term future of Manchester United, Ed? Well, it's a disaster. We're going to melt down tomorrow and uh, we should all give up and go support Rochdale. Ooh. No. No, uh, to be honest, Q1's pretty dull. Because... Unlike that Q3, eh, kids? Oh, yeah, I mean, Q, Q3 gives me a semi every time. Q1, nah, not so much. Well, so so what? Wages are up 6.5%. Uh, in, in fact, this is year-on-year or year-on-year figures, but in fact, United actually got a, a bit of a bonus from taking in receipts from the European Championship. So under the new deal, clubs get paid for the players they donate to these big championships. And, and so actually wages would have gone up 10 percent year on year and that, that kind of wage inflation is putting on a lot of pressure on United's finances what else happened uh, United paid down about 62 and a bit million pounds worth of debt from the, the flotation in New York so total debts are around 360 now that seems like it's getting more manageable <laughs> more manageable I love that one yeah br- brilliant so more manageable it's, it's only taken the seven years and 550 million pounds worth of interest payments to uh, make the debt manageable but it, it is true that it's the first time since the Glazers took over that gross debt is below 400 million pounds net debt a, a touch over 300 million 307 and a bit you could you could put it this way if United didn't spend any money on uh, transfers at all over the next five years we'd be debt free we'd we'd also be shit yeah that's the slight downside any noticeable bump from the ridiculous levels of commercial pushing around van persie signing because i don't i certainly don't remember anything like that in the history of my time supporting the club yes so it's it's a record quarterly turnover so uh, yes some some of it has there's a little bit of uh, prepayment from chevy uh, in there of course united did an interesting thing in the last quarter and, and fired dhl 
bought out the contract. Uh, this was the one that we were ooing and ahhing about, 40 million four-year sponsorship for the training kit. So United, after the Chevy deal, believe they'll get even more. It's really interesting because, you know, I thought that deal seemed insane, but boy, have I seen the DHL logo a lot of times in the last three months or four months or however long it is. Well, yeah, they got some great exposure, and I think United have, uh, yeah, Edward Woodward, the chief commercial officer, is is very, very bullish on United's revenue outlook. Uh, and, of course, you know, they're, they're very aggressive on revenues, and, and uh, basically just don't read any of the press where Woodward's in being quoted, because it's kind of sickening, to be honest, you know. Because it's not about football, it's just about exploitation of the brand all the time, and you, for, you read enough of that and you forget what United's about. There is actually a football team as well, in the midst of all this brand and uh, exploitation and new markets, and how wonderful the States is, and that's new frontier for us, and all that kind of crap. And, and there is a football team in there but revenues are increasing and they have to because united do need to sprint to stand still the debt payoff was a you know a chunk from the ipo but there are there are going to be costs associated with that actually there was a a 24 million pound coupon in this quarter on the bond payment and i expect we'll see bond payments refinance not not really near term but in the next couple of years they'll look to pull down the interest payments because you know if, if they want to maximize their their asset when they eventually sell the glaze and that's what they'll do of course they run all their businesses with debt so I, I think this this question about becoming debt free is, is a little bit moot it would be unusual for them what the fans want of course is not that united are debt free but that united are free from the negative impact of debt in terms of competitiveness on the pitch right because that's you know that's what it's all about isn't it for, for us well, and, and not getting shafted when it comes to ticket prices. Yeah, of course. There's definitely signs that that is starting to happen, but it's not it's not full blown yet. We're not getting we're not getting Arsenal quite yet, are we? No, no, not a ninety four pound fifty ticket or whatever it was. It's it's quite insane, really. Some of Arsenal's tickets, but of, co- of course, like there's plenty of premium tickets at Old Trafford too, and and those kind of prices are charged. And it is quite noticeable that more games are going on open sale. Uh, there are quite a lot of tickets available for away matches these days it didn't used to be part of that's because away teams charge so much as well for for united fans to go there's some real stinkers in there 50 60 pound tickets and and all of that kind of stuff you know football as a whole we we talk about the the boom in in rights and uh, the latest premier league deal will pull in including all the foreign rights around about five billion right so this is this is big it's massive how much football is sucking in but the wage inflation is is out of control and and as a result fans are getting screwed everywhere Uh, and and I can't see the end to it. They they're now talking about a sort of financial fair play type system in the Premier League, which of course would play into United's hands. United being uh, you know cash rich and and debt heavy, so it would it would lock in the established order, which is what UEFA's version will do as well. Illuminati. So, yeah, David Gill is pushing for it hard, and and he might get his way. It looks like he's he's got. He needs 14 votes, and uh, at the last count, he had definitely had 12 with uh, a few waivers. So he might well get his way. Interesting talking of tickets in general sale. Villa tickets in the home end against Man United on sale for 25 quid the week before the fixture. That they really are having trouble at that at that at that team. A lot of disen- disenchantment, obviously, because that's the flip side of it. It goes away so quickly. The bubble just the bubble is is wafer thin, isn't it? As soon as there is a lack of success or or perceived entertainment on the pitch, then you know demand starts to deflate very quickly. And you look at 
City, with all their rampant success, this is not like random team point scoring, but City just do not have the fan base to sustain their stadium because they're empty seats every game. And and this is the most successful period in their, you know, certainly in, in living memory of most of their fans. Yeah, but I thought all, all football fans in Manchester were City fans. Confused confused here fairly demonstrably not the case isn't it so financials out the way only left to preview a very meaningful game against Norwich away this of course was Ryan Giggs's 900th game last season where in honour of narrative he scored a glorious last-minute winner after an absolutely horrendous fixture. And I think it could be tough again, although I do think we've just got the firepower this time to to do the damage we need to do. Then a very meaningless fixture against Galatasaray. Realistically, is he... I mean, obviously he'll play Lindergaard, um, but is he going to dip into the reserves in the youth team, do you think, in that game? For the Galatasaray one, I I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, maybe a couple of younger players will play, but I think he'll he'll dip into the, the fringes of the squad first. Right, players who really need some games and and we'll, we'll see something akin to a Carling Cup ish ish side maybe a little bit stronger because it's it's away in 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 Turkey you know that's a that's a tough fixture and I don't think anyone wants to United beaten heavily but four wins out of four definitely qualified definitely qualified first so that that one should be easy Norwich at the weekend it's been a tough fixture and it was last season and and United placing I think we used the word complacent an awful lot in our review last year didn't we because it was that kind of performance and Norwich aren't doing great this season you know new manager and they're down in the bottom half they've they've got a little bit of breathing room uh, above QPR Southampton and Reading who are all at the bottom but they're definitely going to be in the mix come the relegation fight at the end of the season and uh, Paul Lambert's moved on of course and and so they're not having a wonderful time at the moment well I, I mean you say that but their form is definitely on the up they had an absolutely disastrous start to the season that's so right Chris Hewton's Chris Hewton's got them working actually yeah yeah unbeaten in a few matches now and they you know they good victory over Tottenham didn't they in the League Cup I know you know weird, weird, weird teams and all of that but but they're picking up points here and there they beat Arsenal in the league two weeks ago so they're becoming that team that they were dangerous at home Grant Holt's going to give our dysfunctional central defence a heck of a time I think with his big lumbering ways yeah, I think they have more problems with pace these days. But yeah, you know, yeah, he he will give United a challenge, and and it'll be a, it will be a tough fixture. We said last week that we expected United to thrash Villa because Villa was so terrible. So perhaps we ought to swing back the other way in in, in our reactions and say this is going to be a tight one. Well, I mean, I I'm not doing it for that reason, but I genuinely do think it's going to be a tight one because they they are, Norwich have been improving lately, and we it's a horrible away trip. It's you know it's, it's just awkward to get to and all that kind of stuff Norwich and Galatasaray in the space of a week that's a real welcome to hell situation isn't it but yeah I, I mean I guess I guess I guess I guess I think we'll win but we're definitely going to concede because we always always concede don't we so uh, I'm going to go with another 3-2 I think maybe we're not going to concede so I'm, I'm going to say 1-0 to United 1-0 to United do one you really nil. think that that is a mathematically possible result anymore yes it's definitely mathematically possible all right, um, I hope you're right. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I hope you're right, really. I quite, I'm quite enjoying all these ridiculous games. It's been a very fun season. And I think the fun will continue in Norwich. I'm, I'm not sure the fun will continue away in Galatasaray with us really not needing anything out of that game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's going to be a tough, tough fixture. I mean, uh, Turkish football's not really on the up at the moment, what with all the 
bribery scandals and all of that and, and the national team is actually not that great at the moment either so it, it's not a golden period for Turkish football and United have actually got some very good results against Turkish teams in recent seasons a couple of bad ones in there too uh, yeah, I think United will go there and get a draw with a, a scratch side and, and so I'm going to say one all for that one okay I mean the thing about that fixture is it is completely and utterly meaningless the only thing that matters in that fixture is that we don't get key injuries because there's literally nothing at stake so you know playing the actual youth team the actual under 21s wouldn't be the worst idea in the world I mean I guess something about momentum isn't there but I mean I don't I don't quite. You certainly wouldn't want to risk anyone in that fixture because we we we're top of that group. We can lose both games eight nil and still qualify top of the group, right? Yes, but but that wouldn't do anyone good, any good, would it? Losing eight nil twice, yeah, silly, so naive. No, no, you're right. So before we move on, we have a competition. Oh, it's exciting. Uh, this is like properly, properly exciting. This is not just some random thing that I ended up with in my possession. This is this is a proper good prize. This is a proper good prize. So, yeah, we have one half-eaten cheeseburger <laughs> uh, mailed to you within 28 days. And without fail, if you don't get it within 28 days, you can sue the post office. That's totally within your rights. Aside from that, second prize is a Savile Rogue cashmere football scarf. I've seen these. They are very nice and I'd like one. Comes in Manchester United red, white and black. There's no branding on it. It's just an old-fashioned cashmere football scarf. And, and Savile Rogue have offered us one for our very nice listeners. So that's Savile-Rogue.com. You need to answer this question. The question we were going to ask originally is why on earth should I, the listener, get this ahead of one of the two co-hosts of this podcast that both want this? But that was rejected and we decided to go with Ed's question, which was... Name your Manchester United Rogues Eleven. The bad boys of Manchester United. And you've got to tweet that at us. So it's going to be interesting trying to cram this into 140 characters. But tweet that at us. Make sure you tag it. Hashtag RankCast and then we'll be able to find you. This is a very nice piece of actual human fashion, isn't it, Ed? This is on or off terrace type item, this is. Yeah, you can give it your Euro knot and look just like Roberto Mancini. (laughs) And what United fan, after all, doesn't want to look just like Roberto Mancini? And on that note, we leave you to think of your Rogues Eleven. And if you would also like to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. You can get me at UTD Rantcast on Twitter. Thank you very much to everyone who's got in touch in the last couple of weeks to say they've started listening to the show recently. Tell all your friends if you like it. Why not? You can get Ed at United Rant. And you can hook up with us on Facebook, United, facebook.com slash United Rant. You can go to unitedrant.co.uk, look at the show page, look at all the amazing content there. There's unitedrant.co.uk slash donate if you want to give us money for some reason. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you can if you want to. So thank you very much indeed for listening. And we'll be back with another one of these next week. See you then.